0: Hey there, it's Ben. I'm going to give two shoutouts today. The first to everyone getting back to us about the Genesis episode on heroes. It's been great to hear how much people have been liking the interlude. I also want to give a shout out to Just James, the latest person to contribute to our Patreon. That can be found at patreon.com slash way Thank you, and now on to the show.
1: The engine room fills with smoke as another laser cannon shot rocks the ship. I brace myself against the bulkhead as Ben puts the ship into another dive, sending my tools flying across the room, bolting an emergency repair patch over the fresh damage. Ben, it's not easy to patch the hole with these evasive maneuvers of
0: yours. Looping around the spine of Portuga, I hear the ship moan in protest, and then a sputter as an electrical harness comes loose. With them chasing us, I can't get clear to go to hyperspace. This tub we found is mass-locked to the station. Maybe if you're able to remove that, we could get away from here. Join us in this high-flying tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Ben Yendel.
1: And Christine Chester.
0: Since I've been talking over The Last Jedi with a lot of people, space combat has come up a fair amount in that. On account of some of them are talking about Holdo's thing and why you don't want to be driving ginormous pieces of metal at hyperspace speeds then others are talking about bombers and why you use bombers beyond the normal reason why you use bombers of dropping huge amounts of ordnance onto a small area Mm -hmm. but the thing that kind of gels in my head it's a scene like most of this stuff is kind of integral to star wars but it's also integral to almost any sort of space setting in star wars we have our Set. We have the Starfighters and we've got the capital ships. If I go with one of my more favorite book series is the Harris Sereno slash Esme Souza series of capital ship fighting. Great entry point to that is a book called Once a Hero, where it's spaceship combat of capital ship versus capital ship. Because unless you've got a way that small ships can blow up big ships, it makes no sense to have small ships. That's the reason why, like, torpedoes and bombs and that sort of stuff yeah. makes sense to have Starfighters. Otherwise, why do you even Starfighter?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the Edge of the Empire slash, you know, Fantasy Flight game system. One of the realities I found in the Starship encounter I ran last week was Starfighters are made of tissue paper.
0: Oh, Starfighters are made of tissue paper about the same as your counselor is made of tissue paper. I mean, I get two shots in on Kith, and Kith is down. True,
1: I uh, true. Um, I felt like it was a lot more of one shot would take out a like an X-wing. The encounter I had was like had a lot of ships. There was one Silhouette Five Gazanti freighter, okay, with three support craft, had a pair of fighters and. A bomber that was more used for, you know, missiles and torpedoes, more heavy ordnance against other fighters or other transports rather than bombing a set target. Because it was, it was a mer- they were mercenary ships, you know, like retrof- retrofitted. Yeah. The party had their freighter, you know, your classic silhouette four freighter, although they're they in a Mon Calamari design. Ooh. And they had recruited a number of um, people to assist them. Namely, they had three, like, Mandalorian Fang Fighters. And four X-wings, essentially three that were a minion group and one that was like an actual rival NPC. The X-wings did not fare well. <laughs> three of them are are gone, and the sh- and the party's ship got just torn up. Where it didn't take many shots. Like the the Gazanti is what took out three of the X-wings. Just a heavy laser cannon with a halfway decent hit and an X-Wing was gone.
0: So they are very fragile. (laughs) And that sort of scaling difference really does make them fragile. Like any, any larger ship is going to sort of evaporate a small stump fighter. I kind of go back to, even though I've never played it, I've watched a lot of the trailers, Free Space 2. Oh, I love Free Space. Well, I adore Free Space. I just never got into Free Space 2. But the thing that I think of with Free Space 2 is the capital ship on capital ship combat, where you start getting an idea of, it's better for my starfighter not to be in this general neighborhood because a capital ship weapon is about to go off. Yeah. If you're hit by it, there is ash. Yes. (laughs) There is the aspect of, in starfighter combat, armor is key. Even that single extra point of armor is so key. Well, armor,
1: or where your shields are facing, or the other thing that came up with the Gazanti versus the X-Wings, that silhouette difference. Yeah. The turrets on the Gazanti had to make hard checks to destroy them, and granted, I kept getting lucky in making those shots, but that extra die could have made a difference.
0: It's also one of those things where there's a small, out-of-the-way, optional rule, and I highlight, this is optional from edge of the empire of point defense weapons like anything explicitly done as a point defense weapon can be used as one silhouette size smaller for the purpose of firing from a capital ship to a starfighter i think it's on the same page as the nebula B because that's where it would come up and also turns the nebula P into this really scary anti-starfighter thing Mm -hmm. And the lancer oh geez the lancer's scary when you put that in place
1: Extremely.
0: Because then you've got the silhouette five thing, shooting as a silhouette four, which means no size difference, and it's got a lot of guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, the Lancer just starts popping starfighters.
1: So, so there was that element to it. But I told you first, like off the air, I wasn't very happy with how my starship encounter turned out, and I think a bunch of it had to do with me trying to run it by the rules. 'Cause I know like the, the setup phase felt super slow where like ships were accelerating and starting to move in because the, the players started at and, and they chose this, they started out at extreme range. And it took a while for like a round or two for even ships to start engaging one another. And it had this very like even though we had this asteroid belt and we had all these ships and things going on, it felt almost like we were playing a tactical game instead of an RPG. I had this interesting contrast because I was cutting back and forth between the starship encounter and the members of the party that were aboard the Gazanti that had as part of their ruse had been pulled aboard and were trying to fight their way onto it. And that in comparison felt very action-packed and lively and all this stuff was going on. But I don't know if it's a perception of the rules or just like my own or I got too bogged down with all the different ships and what they could do, and I just don't know that as well. Or on the player side of just, okay, I'm going to gun turret on our freighter. All right, I'm just, I'm going to shoot. That's what I, that's what I feel like I can do.
0: There's that. And then also, honestly, there's one thing that you've mentioned that is most likely a very contributing factor. The starting at extreme range really hurts it because you've got weapons that are at close or short range, usually at most. Mm-hmm. And to go from extreme to long range is two movement and, cash yeah, or sure, if you're going fast enough in a ship, you can blow through the two movement in one actual movement phase, depending on the difference between, and you start getting into that higher math, which just bogs down everything. It would be roughly the equivalent. Try running a hand-to-hand combat where everyone starts off at extreme, and you only have hold-up blasters.
1: yeah. That is a good comparison It might even be some of where my players didn't realize because they're used to having at least a long range weapon in the party that I think he actually has sniper shot so they could shoot at extreme range and with their starship, the best they have is one short range weapon. Everything else is close.
0: <laughs> I will lay bets. Most of the ships that I'm coming up with stats off the top of my head, they have sensors to medium range. Yes. Most of them generally don't have sensors to long. Mm-hmm. Now that you've mentioned this, I would be very tempted to start them at medium range Mm -hmm. so that there's a quicker way for them to get into actual range and do things. Yes. So that there's easier chance for everyone to do something.
1: And that's something I should have had. I even realized it. I should have recommended that at the start, but I wasn't even thinking about it. I missed that too. Or the other thing, now this would require more homebrewing. But if I wanted it to feel, you know, more analogous to the personal scale combat, are changing how those range bands kind of function for starships. Yeah. Because there are a lot of weapons that are just close only, and there's no reason you couldn't extrapolate and extend those out a little bit. That way, okay, you know what? We can shoot at medium range. Now a starting at extreme. Isn't, you know, like, buys us a little bit of time, but we're not sitting on our hands for... Two three rounds,
0: or allowing them to use some of their blaster-based specialities on the ship weapons, like sniper shot.
1: Um, can't you actually do that? Rules as written, because I I think
0: probably I was pitching my bets. I, I
1: definitely know true aim works with it, because um the advanced targeting array gives you true aim, and that was highly effective. Because my party has very little skill in gunnery. But they're, they're mercenary soldier before agility and one gunnery and two ranks of true aim. More than made up for it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the gunnery computer. The gunnery computer is amazing. It is. On account of, for those of you who don't know, it is a droid rank that turns your player combat check into an, a skilled assistance check where all it has is two ranks of gunnery. It has zero agility, but two ranks of gunnery. So you smash those two together. So whatever your agility is, plus two ranks, you now have the ability to shoot things. Yeah. And get triumphs and all the other fun stuff of yellow dice. Yep. Plus you're using your force point and it turns into, hey, look, I can actually hit things.
1: So that part is helpful. I know one thing that I did think worked well for, for our purposes. So I, I did give the the X-Wings and a lot of the ship's fun missiles and torpedoes to play with okay and the my my players who were controlling the x-wings had a lot of fun with proton torpedoes (laughs) because they can do a number on even a ship (sighs) like the Gazanti very easily Mm -hmm. and the other thing was since they were trying to board this ship they emphasized taking out its weapons of trying to disable its turrets or once their freighter got in close enough, using their ion cannons to disable the engines. And those parts of it actually did feel good, because it turned into a, okay, we need to try to approach them from this angle, because we know their port turret is out, and we want to try to minimize, you know, our profile, because we can't take another hit. Okay, well, let's try to get in close and take out these engines. And those parts of it did, did well. It was more the actual dog fighting that was just boring. <laughs>
0: A lot of that kind of comes back to how much of a dogfighter do you try and engage into it. I'm making this piloting check. I'm making this gunnery check. Or is this, I'm trying to track my turret ahead of this TIE fighter that's swooping in ahead of me. And I'm finally able to get it ahead as my quad laser cannons pass through the solar panels and then hit the cockpit. Causing it to explode and the two panels go spiraling off into the vacuum of space.
1: A good description can work wonders. <laughs>
0: you get into the structured time fatigue. Like, this is something that I've seen brought up online. I've seen anywhere. and I've seen it in almost any game. The first round of combat, you get what I just did. Mm-hmm. In the fourth round of combat, you get I shot. Okay, I hit. Great, I do this amount of damage. I've got three advantage, and I hit once, which got through the guy's armor. All right, I do a crit, roll the dice. Oh, good. His engines are out now. And you're going faster, 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 trying to get through it.
1: Although what's funny is I think the opposite happened with my group. Oh, in which case you're lucky. I, I actually think uh, there's a reason for it, though. I don't think that's their typical behavior, but uh, <laughs> this is our first game, you know, post-holiday hiatus. Okay. And this was a situation I had hoped to avoid, but it just the way, you know, the way it turned out of, You know, we we come back and immediately they're in combat because that's where we, that's where we had left off was right before combat started. And so I think that's kind of why, because it started up and everybody's like, okay, let me get into my character. What are we doing again? Okay. Oh, there's this whole starship rule thing we don't use very often. Okay. Mm -hmm. How do I do this? And so we were very simple and slow at start. And as we went on, it turned more into the, let's add more descriptions Especially for the, the boarding team, where they ended up in this whole bunch of shenanigans with a couple of fully equipped battle droids. Not like... Nice. Not like separatist battle droids, but like, you know, good battle droids.
0: <laughs> oh, so like the B2s.
1: Yeah, so something in that vein. I actually don't have a set model for them. They were just that the these mercenaries had a set of them. And they were they were tough customers with plenty of weaponry and stuff, <laughs> and it turned into this just comedy of errors where they decided, okay, we're gonna put a restraining bolt on one of them, and uh, then they bolts. we had multiple people trying to hold one down while then the mechanics trying to get in and the droids getting an arm free and clawing at his face and he's getting a crit because he despaired horribly on his first attempt and you know like things <laughs> has got got very out of control aboard the ship. And then outside of it, it was just more like, okay, the Fang Fighters move in. They're going to (laughs) shoot.
0: I could sort of see how the people on the outside, when the inside can do stuff really immediately, and they're having to prepare and get into range. It feeling like a weird style of the whole thing.
1: Well, here's the funny thing. They had so many allied NPCs. The way I had it set up is everybody had, if their PC wasn't aboard the ship, they were controlling an NPC aboard that ship. If they were if their PC was aboard the ship, then they would control an NPC in the space fight. So every player participated in both halves.
0: Okay, that's good. That's actually really good advice.
1: And it just wasn't their their characters, uh, in mm. both situations, and I do think that affected things some too, where because like not not every NPC is created equally. You know, some people, True. And, and this was. You know, I doled them out at like first come first serve. Who was interested in what? Uh, some people had like you know the cool alliance sergeant with the quad laser that takes two rounds to prepare, but when it's up and running, she got to blow away a droid in one turn. Yeah, those things are amazing. Yeah,
0: prepare two is annoying, but it's worth it.
1: Yeah, and that was meant to be kind of a balanced thing because like that player had a lot of fun commanding the alliance infantry she had with her and giving them bonus actions for a couple of turns until that thing was was ready to go or like uh, another player was playing as i call them team dumb muscle these two mooks they had hired and they were the (laughs) ones trying to hold down the droid and stuff and so players still got to control you know these different different characters but then some people were playing like okay you're the x-wing minions Okay, well, you know, they, you got some some toys there, but it's not not on the same level.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can totally feel that, too. Um, yeah, Starfighter combat is brutal in this. I've got no other way of putting it. The only thing that I've got is, if you're really worried about ships getting shot up and then destroyed, you can kind of go with the same mentality as normal squad-based Personal scale weaponry. If someone gets shot, yeah, sure, they take the critical. The really nice part about most starfighter combat is that, okay, we just went minus five on my hit threshold. That's one crit. Mm -hmm. That's not like five or a crit plus five, that's one crit. You're out of the danger zone and You can still survive it, but you're frantically trying to get the ship back working, or you're kind of like Wedge on the original run on the Death Star, trying to figure out, how do I do good back here? Well, you can't, so get out.
1: I think in the future, what I'm likely to do is tweak it as much as possible to make it feel more like personal-scale combat, remove some of the fluff. Like, I'm not sure how I want to treat it yet, but... The whole the way speed and movement works is just a bizarre way to think about it. You know, okay, I'm gonna accelerate and then I'm gonna move, or I'm just gonna accelerate and I don't go anywhere. So I want to tweak that in some way. I think to make it more intuitive, and I think I want to introduce some other ways for players to repair hull damage quickly, in the middle of a fight, to keep them going, because, correct me if I'm wrong, emergency repair patches only work on droids. Rules is written,
0: right? Off the top of my head, I honestly can't say. That would be my first.
1: Because I want, want like, a stim pack for a ship, where you still have a limit, but I would love to have that, where somebody can spend a maneuver running around in the back and keep them going a little
0: longer. Okay, here's my thing, though, is... There is a variation on that in the table of alternate actions, and it's the one with athletics. It's the one where you're sh- literally taking a plate and shoving it in a hole that's been opened.
1: Now, can't you only repair hole damage in either that manner or with mechanics once a combat?
0: Uh, sure, kinda. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, that's kind of rules as written. But it's also, well, what does a story need? That is a huge part to it. What does a story itself need? Mm -hmm. The way that Starfighter combat seems to be expected is you're not going to be taking too much damage or you're going to be taking extreme amounts of damage, and then you're going to be taking a huge amount of strain. Like every pilot's supposed to be doing a double maneuver with the ship so that it takes strain every round. Your long-suffering mechanic is trying to repair strain as quickly as they can. And every now and then you get hit, but it's not a critical. Like, it's not a, I'm going to hold the ship kind of hit. It's, okay, I can start repairing this, and you get some of that back. I'm trying to remember which game it is. Oh, actually, I do remember which game it is. That It is a squad-paced combat game, uh, XCOM 2. Oh, okay. Every soldier in there has a certain amount of health. As you heal them on the battlefield, they can go back up to full health, and you can even have characters like Yo-Yo, but at the end of that combat, they have to go into the hospital. They will be out of the rotation for however many days. It could be up to a month, where they still have to actually heal, but for the moment, they're up to fighting standards, Mm -hmm. like Stimpaks, or the intended way of Stimpaks. So... One of the things that could be is essentially temporary fixes and kind of using the athletics based idea of taking plates, taking these emergency healing packs, slamming them on these poles, but the ship itself will come apart. You've used this emergency patch to heal. Yeah, sure. Three points, I think. But you can only do that five times before you can't do it anymore. Yeah. The pull five times thing balances it out fairly nicely. That was my thinking.
1: Like, the descriptive text for a emergency repair patch, I think, works still well for a ship, and it kind of fits with what you're talking about of afterwards, yeah, you slapped this thing on the exploded, you know, wall here, and you kept the vacuum of space out, but afterwards, you're going to want to get that repaired, like, actually repaired. And my party de- hasn't had any trouble with that. Like, I actually like using that as a narrative point of if the ship needs repairs afterwards, what's happened to it, how much does that cost, etc. My whole thing was just in the middle of the combat, like where we ended last time. Their freighter has two hole points, and rules is written <laughs> can't be repaired anymore. And they just docked with this ship, and the Empire's on the way. Like, if their ship takes a hit, it's it's done for. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I kind of like the idea of essentially adding those as temporary hit points in this case. Yes. As soon as they get back, as soon as they're out of the thick of it, those hit points essentially ebb away. As soon as this scenario's done, they're back to the two hit points. But if they're able to get all the emergency patches in place, they're up to 17.
1: Which would allow them to at least survive another engagement. I mean, their max hull on their ship is 22, I mean seventeen out of the twenty-two is not bad. They're at least flying again. Yes, the ship's gonna need some repairs, but like that that's been the bigger issue for them. Like the they've got a couple of crits, but those aren't impeding them in the same way. <laughs> yeah. So that's something I think I am gonna implement just to make that feel better. And likewise I'm just thinking like with an X-Wing, an astromech can conduct some repairs as things go along, or or things like that to
0: assist it. I like that idea of being able to put sort of temporary fixes in place.
1: So another thing that's bothered me both when I've played as the pilot in a Starship Encounter or when I've GM'd a Starship Encounter are the actual like the actions of the pilot. Mm. Like maneuvers are hugely important for a pilot, but if you're behind a freighter or a capital ship, you're not using your action to man the guns. Then you're just spending maneuvers. I, I actually really hate the way the piloting skill ends up getting used because rules is written, you know, when you have to make a check, it's your speed and your silhouette. And it, it's always a really difficult check unless you're moving very slowly. And even then, you've still got at least a red in there. And otherwise, your piloting skill doesn't come up. There wasn't a single piloting check made by our pilot in that entire encounter. I guess I could have called one of the asteroids when they got close. I didn't do that because at the time they had two hole points and I didn't know what to do, but they failed.
0: First thing with that, I do want to remind everyone of tables that are in stay on target for different terrains. It was sort of the start of FFG starting to think, hey, yeah, let's toss in tables for what do you do with the advantages? What do you do with the triumphs and the threats and despairs? Like some of it is you get nicked and you take a few extra strain or the Top Gun no longer works for this next round. Like, when I'm running a Starship Encounter, I try and have those ahead of me, just because, in the end, it feels like it works better. uh, Because it allows you to add in extra flair. Okay. In doing that, it also allows... Some of the positive ones where you're using Advantage and Triumph, you're using this environment against the bad guys. Like, the Ties that are chasing your freighter. You're now looping around a asteroid and it can't make it because it doesn't expect you to twist this way instead of that. Mm-hmm. And it smashes apart. They're minions, they're ties, they're made to explode.
1: They really are.
0: <laughs> like you talk about X Wings exploding, ties. You look at them funny, they go boom. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things. Um, sure, there are situations where having a hotshot is just sort of this godsend for what you do for a pilot in a combat. Because with that, they can do crazy things, like the Koga in turn, where they immediately stop their forward movement, causing everything to fly by them. Mm -hmm. Thusly getting them out of the really weird uh, gain-the-advantage loop. Mm -hmm. I love Showboat, especially with minions around. (laughs) Minions in Showboat is just amazing. Mm -hmm. Just on account of Showboat... Pick two bad guys. They now each get a critical. Which, okay, yeah, you've got these two rivals getting a crit. Yeah, That's bad. Uh, you're not using this on a rival. You're using this on a minion group. If
1: they're minions... <laughs> the minion groups go kaboom. Yeah, the hot the shot has a lot of things that feel really good for a pilot character. Or likewise, the bounty hunter's operator has a few cool tricks... Um, especially if you also uh, have a set of guns yourself as the pilot. Like there are some some specs that have them. Like, I feel bad for for my pilot because she is a pilot, the the one straight out of the Smuggler tree, where it has a lot of good, just like strong like utility. I mean, she's got plenty of skilled jockey and stuff like that, but she doesn't have the special maneuvers.
0: That's where the pilot serve turns into the mechanic that's in a personal fight. There is so much there that the pilot can do, almost literally using an asteroid against starfighters. The reason why you are a pilot in these situations is to be showboating. Yeah, you may not be a hotshot and be able to do the really amazing things, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going with something like what Hera or Han would do, and I'm trying to go between these two spinning asteroids because I know I've got enough juice to get past, but these ties don't. Mm -hmm. trying to use the terrain against it. And yeah, I'm going up against like a two red and a purple or worse. But I've got a high agility. I've got two ranks in it. I'm putting my destiny point in. I'm looking for the skill check to try and get as many boosts as I can. Yeah, sure. There's a chance that I'm going to wind up with a bunch of failure. But who knows? Maybe I get a bunch of success. And the slight ding that I get from failing... Means I get a huge amount of advantage, using and being able to use the terrain against enemies, which also
1: does make the terrain factor hugely important. Because I also know there's a lot of starship encounters where there just aren't. There just is, like there just isn't terrain.
0: <laughs> I understand that. This being Star Wars, it feels like there should be some form of terrain. Absolutely, unless you are approaching something that essentially becomes terrain, like a dreadnought or a Death Star. Mm -hmm. In which case, hey, look, we've got terrain by having what we're on. Then we've got like the rings of a planet. We've got atmosphere. We've got the ground if you're in atmosphere. We've got asteroids. Mm -hmm. Star Wars has dirty space. You've got nebulas that explode. There's very few instances are we ever having a clean open space where there's seven fighters and that's it. Yeah. Even in the situation that you're talking about. I would still be throwing the terrain at it. Like essentially using the Gazanti as its own bit of terrain Hmm. that everything else has to go around. So I'm trying to dodge from one side of the Gazanti around to the other, Mm -hmm. making it so that if I succeed in this pallet check, that minion group behind me can't shoot at me.
1: Which is a really good suggestion. Or I can also think of, you could use just like the traffic around the planet, ships can be terrain
0: (laughs) and probably should be in a lot of cases that's kind of what i look at with piloting is yeah initially it's okay well all i'm doing is flying or all i'm doing is trying to like get the advantage or something it's how do i use the environment against them
1: yeah and your description of the mechanic and personal scale combat as, as the analogy is a really good one because it is think outside the box Take your eyes away from the starship cheat sheet you have in front of you. Okay, look at the scenario. (laughs) What do you want to try? Because chances are good. Like, I know I as the GM, if my player had wanted to use the asteroid or the Gazanti in some capacity, I would have said yes. We would have done a check and seen how it turned out.
0: That's kind of the trick. One thing that I know David said a while back is take the cheat sheets away. Yeah. Initially, the cheat sheets are great just because, hey, look, these are things I can do. This is something that might spark ideas. But after even a round or two, I would try and tug them back. Maybe like after a break, the cheat sheets disappear and try and get it more into the narrative side. Where sure, you as a GM have the cheat sheet where you can hand out boosts and setbacks to whatever they're doing, but
1: Yeah, which is another good suggestion, because I now I couldn't have pulled mine back so easily because we were playing online, but even as the GM you can also set examples. Like I should have actually set mine aside and just started just started riffing on what I saw and what I could do. Of okay, I've got this ship and I know it can I know it has these <laughs> weapons or this situation. <laughs> Let's do something a little outside of the box to try to inspire people. Because I, I think that's some of how my group has learned personal scale combat, because uh, like none of them knew this game when we started. Mm-hmm. And I just did stuff.
0: <laughs> well, and that's one of the unspoken pleasures, trials, whatever you want to call it, of a GM, is you're also teaching this game. Every session, you're teaching this game. And sometimes that's going to end up, sometimes that's going to end up being great. Sometimes it's going to be horrible. Mm -hmm. If you want your players to understand that cover is a thing and it helps, you have stormtroopers take cover. If you want to show off that, hey, look, grenades are amazing, you have stormtroopers throw grenades and then apologize. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're wanting to show, oh, this is the benefit and the price to doing the stay on target maneuver. That yes, you get the upgrade, but everyone gets the upgrade on you. That's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. This sort of harkens back to something I was talking about recently or also I read in a 1138 article of one of the things to do with using bombers and using bombers with terrain. One of the things that bombers, especially with the whole ejecting something out the side and having it essentially get dumb fired at something, you can surface skim. You take a look at what the Y-Wings did in Rogue One. Yes, they're firing these torpedoes at the front of uh, a Star Destroyer and that helps, but when they finally set up for their bombing run, they are surface skimming over the front and charges are falling out the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're being ejected out the bottom and hitting that Star Destroyer with bigger impact and it knocks out the engines on them. That's using terrain and they're also doing a gunnery check to have fun with it, but Considering that would be, if I were doing it, a minion group. They're doing the maneuver of piloting over the ship, and they're also doing an attack run. So, they get the two rolls. Oh, look, they fail. Well, one of the Y-Wings is not able to completely get over the hump of the Star Destroyer and goes face first into it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the bombers would be going in that close is, Hey, look, the TIE Fighters, if they miss, they start doing damage to their own ship. Yes, I think of it as a Y-Wing pilot. I'm not surprised in the slightest. (laughs) It's trying to narratively use what's in front of you to create openings, create other actions. Mm -hmm. One of the most disturbing pilots I have ever seen was a sharpshooter uh, pilot, like straight-up pilot sharpshooter. Mm -hmm. Because... They could get into anything and fly, and then they also had true aim.
1: Yeah, <laughs> true aim is just a really, really good talent.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you can stack true aim, uh-huh, because it's one upgrade per rank of true aim, plus you also get the bonus for actually aiming.
1: I'm, I'm definitely gonna run <laughs> another starship encounter for this group, and I will be, I'll be happy to report back when, when that happens. But I want to, uh, I'll have to try to do it in a different
0: way. Not this backer game, but probably the next backer game. The thing that I'm wanting to run is a flat-out, actual, just a bunch of people in X-Wings fight. Not trying to do the bomber thing, because well, apparently I'm the only one who actually likes bombers.
1: That's not true. I like bombers. I just like the good
0: bombers. The B-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just going to start splitting hairs. And Jackson ran off. Like doing a X-Wing group. Oh... Actually, I want to run this in Strongholds of Resistance. There's a Starfighter scenario. Now, this one is a full-out adventure, where as sort of a start, middle, and end. It's a Starfighter base that all of a sudden is dealing with a few prototype Tie Phantoms from Rebel Assault 2. Okay. Uh, it is a ugly-looking ship. It's a tri-wing Claw Starfighter that has a cloaking device like full out cloaking device not just sensor stealth but it actually you cannot see it Hmm. in x-wing they're really annoying in armada they're pretty bad and in this honestly i take a look at is wow like a pair of them pretty much our nemesis no matter even if you almost have minions in it they can start firing from being cloaked and then they can yeah there's a lot of stuff the only thing that sort of is good for them is that if they decloak, you have to see them for this round. Then they can recloak. So it's nasty, but you do get pot shots. Like it's a starfighter situation where it is just pure flat-out starfighter.
1: Well, even then, it still has a little bit of a, a puzzle component because if you have Thai phantoms on the field, <laughs> well, there's going to be rounds
0: where they're cloaked, and okay, how are you going to find them? How are you going to find them? How are you going to try and prepare to minimize them coming out? Are you going to be going completely evasive and trying to make it so that they can't hit you, but then you've got no chance of hitting them? Or
1: do you do something like, oh, we're in the asteroid field. I'm going to fire a torpedo and destroy this asteroid and scatter debris around and make it harder for them to fly through and increase the likelihood these things are going to bounce off of this thing and show me its relative location.
0: That's an awesome way of doing it.
1: That'll be interesting to see, see Mm -hmm. how that goes.
0: I may or may not use the fatigue slash stress rules that are in there. They always seem (laughs) punitive. I'll probably weaken them some. I'm not exactly one to try and raise their durability, but the complaint that's been there ever since day one, ever since the beta of Edge of the Empire has been, Starfighter combat is deadly. And if you go with past a whole threshold, yeah, things blow up quick. I actually think that's
1: kind of true to Star Wars with how easily we see fighters and stuff blow up. It's just, there's the RPG side of it. So how do you plan on running that then with your your backers? If one of them dies early on in the encounter, are they just going to roll
0: out with a new ship? I may do that. Like, I've done that in the past and it kind of has worked well. Otherwise, I'm not 100% certain, actually. Hmm. I may do it that way.
1: Here's another idea. So technically, when a ship's you know a ship is at a hull it's not destroyed, it is you know adrift, kind of like you now people will fall unconscious if they're wounded out. Yeah, it could be they're out of the you know the combat fray round or something, and them and their R2 unit have to just you know try to jury rig their x wing back into life, get themselves back into the fray, which could also lead to some interesting strategies like. Maybe your X-Wing is dead, and you get it where you can turn it back on, but you wait a moment because you're waiting for that phantom to re-materialize, <laughs> then okay, let's let's power up, let's gun it, and let's go after this thing. Because it, you know, no longer thought of you as a threat. Like, you can still play around with that and have it be part of the story without it just being, well, I sit out for a round. That's a really good idea.
0: And then there's also the role-playing of how to get the ship back into function. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Christine, do you have any final pieces of advice for our listeners about Starfighter and moderate-sized space combat? This is going to sound almost
1: counterintuitive, but uh, what I would actually do is, just, if you're wading into the starship rules, start with some planetary scenarios. Start with your swoop chase or airspeeder combat or something first, where it's a little... It's a little easier to come up with those terrain ideas um, that kind of write themselves more, as well as provides a few more opportunities for the personal scale to enter into those scenarios as kind of the uh, putting your, your toes in the water, trying to warm up to the idea before you move on to space combat. It's kind of the middle point. That's, that's kind of where
0: I would start. That raises a really, really good point. Kind of just answered one of your questions from way back. And I kind of want to point this out. So in a a freighter space combat, what the pilot is doing isn't combat. They're in a chase. And if you treat it like a chase for how everyone's moving apart and getting closer together, that's when the pilots are going to start thinking of how do I use terrain. It also then makes what the pilots can do a lot more useful at least seemingly. Yes. And if you can get your players to realize this, that's when you can start getting the pilots to feel more than just, I roll, my gain the advantage. And your advice on doing ground combat, getting a hover car versus hover car kind of combat going, that, that starts getting people's toes wet. That's great. My own singular piece of advice is everything's terrain. trying to go through the movies and I'm trying to think of a time when it was in the vacuum of space pilot versus pilot combat and I'm just not coming up with one like I'm coming up with Django Fett versus Obi-Wan in the rings of I don't remember where with the seismic charges Mm -hmm. the closest thing I've got is the starfighter assault on the Trade Federation battleship in which case the Trade Federation battleship just became terrain you've got Toth, where Adats are coming in. I am seriously not thinking of a place where you aren't using something as terrain. I guess the retreat from Dakar is probably the closest, where even then, giant red is terrain. I'm
1: I'm trying to think of an example too, and I I just can't think of can't think of one.
0: Even Boba Fett and Han Solo as Han Solo heads off to Bespin, there's still the terrain of the trash. Yeah, have terrain everything's terrain <laughs> and sometimes you do hit weird cooks to the place where apparently they don't have windows on the back of star destroyers who knew uh, i guess yeah. anyone who's actually looked at the back of a star destroyer but that's beside the point terrain can also be created good point y-
1: you don't start off with it but <laughs> after a little bit of a space combat you might have some <laughs>
0: pulling the lever to bring the g nine rigger's wee little wings back into a lock position. I loop around a Gazanti, wagging the wing at the cockpit before darting behind a sensor dish Any time now, it'll be good now, now. How
1: about now? The latest maneuver causes my head to bang into an exposed pipe. I shoot a glare towards the cockpit just a few more seconds. I finish splicing the wires, causing the blue glow of the mass lock to go out. I've bypassed the lock. Just give me a second to strap in, and we can. Join us next time on another Bumpy Tales from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me at that's one, two, th, Night. that's 1-2-T-H-Night with a K. And
0: I'm at Deuterium Ice. We are all at TheHydeanWay.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play,
1: where you can find more episodes And while you're there, help us out by rating and reviewing the show.
0: Drop us a holocom at at talesattheheidianway.com, and we're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way.
1: If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash theheidianway.
0: Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash theheidianway.